This podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy, an amazing company that is changing the way we look at health and wellness. Now Alchemy is using uh, monatomic gold and Ormus, which is sourced from two ocean sources, the Dead Sea and the Himalayan Sea. Ormus is a powerful combination, a liquid known as the golden food for the gods. And in ancient Egyptian times, it was known as the light elixir. This energy not only shifts and brings back the dimensions of your body, but allows your entire light body to expand. Any particle breakdown inside of your system becomes repaired. It opens up your third eye, increases manifestation potential, balances the left and right hemisphere of your brain, and increases brain capacity. And that's not the best part of it. The very best part of it is actually enhancing your shamanic abilities, such as increased dream lucidity, being able to feel the energies that are around you, and being able to balance both your chakras and your internal and external Internal world increases your human biomagnetic sheath, known as your aura, and relieves stress and anxiety. Now, this is something you have to try. So go ahead and check out Now Alchemy, a sponsor of the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Thank you and enjoy the show. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I love you so much. So happy to be on this planet with all of you. And I so look forward that one day our paths will cross, the meeting will happen, and we'll give each other an amazing, wonderful, long-needed hug with soulful intention, loving connection, and blessing you up by saying prayers in my head while holding you in my arms, because I really look forward to that day. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on this planet and being an amazing being that you are and all that you've gone through. Because let me tell you, (laughs) <laughs> we know it's been a doozy, right? And so we know that it's it's been a, it's been a challenge for a lot of people and you know, including myself and all of us who've taken on a physical form coming from a a, a place of pure light and, and and unconditional love and playfulness, right? When we're on the other side, it's just play all the time and create and explore and enjoy being this amazing creator and then here you know we deal with the resistance and we deal with you know energies that have clouded the the truth of who we are and made us play small and believe that we're just human beings having a human experience on this planet when in fact we are actually dynamically quantum creators having and choosing to have this experience on earth for the sake of bringing home the darkness into the light and lifting this region of space as well as this planet and all other planets that are in the surrounding areas. So I'm happy that we're doing it together and I definitely can't do it alone. And I need each and every one of you to constantly keep yourself lit up 
as much as possible and any way that I can support that lifting and shifting for you, I am your love who's here to do just that and know that I love you unconditionally. You can never do any wrong because there is no such thing. There's only growth and there is only transformation and we can only go higher from here, right? And so I love you. Thank you again for being on this planet and thank you for overcoming all of the things that you've gone through, all the pain, all the suffering, all the hurt, all the lies, the betrayal, the letdown, the disappointment, the lack, all of it, everything that you've suffered from emotionally and mentally and physically. I want to say thank you for stepping into that journey of those energies so that you can transmute those energies back into the frequency of love and, and be able to lift our planet out of the wheel of suffering and into the wheel of life and transformation. It's really wonderful. So thank you. So take a deep breath, inhale, exhale, and exhale with a, ah, yes. Again, take another deep inhalation. And exhale with a, ah, and know that all that energy that you've accumulated the week before, the month before, the day before, conversations you've had, echoes you picked up on, in certain types of environments you've been exposed to, well, none of those energies are no longer necessary in your body. And so take another deep inhalation and, ah, and just letting it all go, just letting it go and just being with you. And we get to be together in this moment, right? So every week, we get to be together two times a week, wherever you are, in your car, in your home, your living room, out in the park, the beach, friends, on an airplane, wherever you are, I'm there with you, loving you. Feel that warmth and that spirit inside, warming you up, my love, warming you up and, and, and keeping you on the lit train, keeping you so on fire, so lit up every day, all the time, reminding you and holding you in that space of your power. Because that's what it's about. It's not about anyone else's power, but your power. That's right. It's about your power. It's about who you are. It's about why you're here, what you're doing, and what makes you happy. And when you think about something, do you feel on fire about it? And if you don't, then stop doing it. Don't even get into it. Don't waste your time because it's not necessary and it doesn't support you. And what supports you is love. And what supports you is joy. And what supports you is pleasure. And what supports you is ecstasy. And what supports you is prosperity. And what supports you is, is health and wellness and play. And did I say the word play? Well, great. I'm glad that I did because that's exactly what we're talking about is play. How many of you out there in the world take time to play? Like really play. I'm not talking like go to Vegas and casino and hit the jack, um, hit the slot machines or drive a fast race car or go, you know, do any of these types of things like go to a club and dance until whatever. And, you know, whenever the sun comes up. But I mean, play like the way you did when you were a kid, like break out with the action figures, pull out the, the old Nintendo, the Atari or your PlayStation or your Xbox, and, you know, uh, fly, take a kite, fly the kite and you don't have to have kids to do it. You don't make excuses to play because you have a kid, right? You should keep that spirit alive. You know, there is an amazing um, film called Tag. It's based on a true story. And what I loved about it and why tears when I was watching it 
the tears just came. It was just like beautiful tears rolling down my face. And what it was about was that these guys decided that they're always going to play. And then they, that they made a decision that they are going to play. And the moment they stop playing is the moment they're going to get old. Right. And it's really true because that is something we have been programmed to on this planet that we get into this place where we get to be a kid for a short while, not a long while. So if you do have kids, don't take away their play. Don't force them into the institution so quickly. You know, if you do get a chance, uh, it's probably best to homeschool your kids or create a, a playground for your kids in your home that they can explore all of everything from science to, to art, to playing with clay, to sculpture, to you name it, whatever it is, right? Because what happens is, is that we get into this space of doing the same thing that our parents did and the same thing that their parents did and the same thing that their parents did and all of that is completely incorrect, right? Yes, completely incorrect. And the reason why it's incorrect is because of the fact that you come to earth and there's no real container supporting you as a child that says, hey, welcome to planet earth. Let me discover why you came here. Usually what happens, and this is kind of what I would say is the the norm of most people's consciousness is I'm going to have a child and that child's going to become a whatever. My child's going to excel or be like a lawyer like me or a doctor or you know whatever or a shaman, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. The thing is, most parents have this pre-planned, this kind of agenda for having a child. Some of the agenda is to kind of parade their child around and let everyone know they have a child. The other agenda is they want to keep their bloodline going or they want to like, you know, complete this kind of program that they've been programmed into to have an offspring. You know, they, they went to college, they met the lover, they now got married and now they want to have kids and, uh, you know, so they, you know, they create this idea of what that looks like and how that should look like and the way their, you know, their life is going to play out, what college they're probably going to go to and all these different things, which in fact is like, you're preloading your child. That's what I call it. I call it preloading. You're preloading your child into a path that your child may or may not have come to earth to experience or may and may not have come to earth to 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 step into that costume that you've already sewn up and put all the frills on for your child to step into and play as according to what you would like to see and and, and perceive and have expectations on right and so most most what so what happens when you do that to children you literally um, take away their spirit. You, 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 you get into a space where you create a void inside of them. And that void is, I don't really want to know who you are. I want you to do what I want you to do and follow and step into this space. But what it does is it creates this limitation and that limitation then begins to expand and then they begin to not really trust who they are and then they start getting affected by their peers and certain people in school and then the pressure and the stress and all of that energy comes you know, onto them. And that happens because of the fact that they're not in having that safety or that security at home that says, I love you just the way you are, no matter how you are and no matter what you came to earth to do, I'm going to support it, love it and cherish it and nurture it in you so that you can go out and be the best spiritual being you can be on planet earth as you came to this planet to do, right? 
So there's a lot of very powerful people who could have been world leaders, who could have been amazing healers and amazing this and amazing that, but their parents already had a system in place for them. And that's probably why they ended up in prison. And that's the reason why they ended up as a rapist or a killer or someone who's just completely degrading themselves with drugs and alcohol and falling down the, the, the bottomless pit of suffering and pain and degradation. And that's all because... They didn't have a container of love presented to them when arriving to earth. And in, fe- in fact, all they felt through their whole life is that, that they're not accepted in love for who they really are. And so they begin to act out in this kind of, how do you say, very dysfunctional, degrading, destructive, you know, manic way. It's unfortunate on earth that we that we associate the idea of having a child in this this form of being normal by just thrusting our children into an institution. I don't care if it's PK1, PK2 or you know kindergarten uh you know, they have different names. When I was a kid, it was kindergarten, preschool, it was preschool, kindergarten, and then elementary school, junior high, high school, college, and then find your mate, have a child, you know, and then have a good job, pay for your child to go through school, and then, you know, and then, you know, get your, your severance check or whatever it is, you know, your not your severance check, I think it's uh, your whatever the check that you get, and then, you know, make plans to do as much vacationing as you can, and then, you know, time for you to start digging because uh your time is up and that's really a boring existence if you ask me really boring and spirit never intended you to come to earth and become a robot and and pretend to like your life when in fact you're screaming inside and you kind of just want to lose your mind because of the fact that you have been thrusted by a bunch of control freaks including your parents and your authority figures uh, to go down a path that they had designed before you even came through the womb which is no fun because you come through the womb And it should be this beautiful, blissful experience of welcoming you to earth and acknowledging all of your unseen gifts that we will get to experience through the nurturing and love that we will give you by creating a container for you to play until you feel that you have learned what it is you need from the play and therefore have designed your truth and your identity through that play. And then you're able to go out in the world and bring your you to the table at the highest level of authenticity, which then gives you great manifestation powers, great abilities to connect with people, great abilities to, you know, to really map out your life in the most easy, efficient way. Because why? Well, because the fact that you were given this opportunity to evolve properly and therefore your senses, your abilities to sense energy, your ability to be at the right place at the right time, your ability to be in alignment, all of it is just locked in information. It's just locked in literally locked in. When you live your life outside of that and you are thrusted into all these institutions and told by teachers that you're not good enough. I remember I was in first grade. I had a teacher named Mrs. Serena. Loved her. Really loving, very sweet woman. And Miss Serena had, um, you know, I had a lot of different kids in my class, you know, and you know, she took me aside with my my family one day and said, you know, he has a speech impediment problem. He can't read properly. He's a little bit under his average of reading. And because of that, we're thinking of holding him back first grade and having him do it again. Ooh, that was like a spine chilling effect when you realize that 
all your friends are moving forward and you're being held back. And the first thing that comes to your mind is that you are a complete idiot. Something's wrong with you. You're not right. And you begin to harbor that emotion inside, which I did. And then I had to go to ESL class and I had to learn how to speak. Mind you, not the fact that, that I grew up, you know, um, when my parents divorced when I was a little kid and we ended up having Hawaiian family move into our home and became a part of Hawaiian culture and, you know, Filipino Hawaiian culture and Japanese culture. And we begin to speak uh, Hawaiian pidgin. So yeah, I couldn't speak because I had Hawaiian pidgin coming out of my mouth every second. And I was saying like, hey, brother, you're not a kind. So you're like, go over there. You're like, over there. You know that over there. Can you go get me that over there? What, you know your mother and your father. You go that way. You know, like this kind of pigeon Hawaiian kind of talk, you know, where we are all oh, bra. You know what? That's so momoy. You like go momoy. Huh? Oh, you like the food. It's ono, huh? You know, so having that Hawaiian family, being in Hawaii, you know, having every day my aunts and my uncles speaking pigeon throughout the house and speaking Hawaiian and speaking Filipino or Tagalog, you know, and all of this going on. You know, I'm a kid. I'm in first grade. And I don't speak well. And my teacher holds me back. And I literally feel like a complete loser with a capital L on the top of my head. And all my classmates are going forward. And they're all making fun of me like, oh, you're so dumb. You're so stupid. You couldn't even move forward and so forth and so on. And so what do you do? You start building a complex. Is that what I was supposed to experience if the world was operating in its true authenticity, where I would have had a container of play available to me, where I could have played and experienced that my power doesn't come from reading and math and understanding social studies and all of these other things that they ingrain in you in school, which history was a real waste for me. I always thought it was interesting. I would raise my hand to my teacher and ask, why am I in this class? And she would say, what's the problem? And I would say, well, everything you're teaching me is everything we're still doing and isn't history about learning not what to do. We keep doing the same thing. So how is this history? This is right now happening in this moment. We are still operating in the same mentality. We haven't moved from this mentality. So what is the point of this class? Is it to know that we did mistakes and we're still doing them? What are we learning from it? So I was always that person, you know, answering you know, my own questions in my own mind because of the way that I thought and the way that I looked at things. And of course, I ended up in the principal's office quite a bit. I always remember being in the principal's office and I just would be like, I just want to go home and skate. I had my Rob Roscoff skateboard. I had, you know, just wanting to just be free, play video games and just like, you know, practice my my powers and you know, just kind of get away from that institution that is really not for me. And if I had that container created, you know, for me in the early 70s, I would have had the ability to realize that, yeah, I should be focusing only my energies on my shamanic abilities and my powers and my ability to read and my ability to talk to spirits and my ability to trans translocate my body to other places and to other people's energy fields and all kinds of things that I'm capable of doing now that back then could have been nurtured more, which finally did get nurtured, but that was only um, afterwards. But into the point of that, all of that 
experience made me feel like I was a complete loser. And so therefore I had a low self-esteem. I got bullied in school. I got beat up a lot. And of course, until I took karate and taekwondo and then learned how to defend myself, but still, right? And we go back into the idea of play. What did play mean for me? What does it mean to you? You know, it's like we, we, we go through all of that. And where I'm actually getting to is this, is that when I was a kid, some of my favorite toys that I played with was the Bionic Man, the Bionic Woman, He-Man, She-Ra, and then G.I. Joe, Smurfs. And the shows that I watched was like Smurfs and Storks and uh, He-Man and, you know, all these amazing shows and Transformers. I always had a Transformers and I also had Voltron. You know, and the thing is, my sister had all the like the Barbie house and the Barbie car and the Ken dolls and then, you know, the whole bit and like how to cook and how to make things. And I used to look at it and be like, well, what is that? How come in her room, all my toys are like action figures and guns. I've got like this gun and that gun and this ray gun and this BB gun and all these different guns, which at one point I just decided to brace my, that I'm a cowboy and I had a cowboy hat. I wore cowboy boots and I had two gun holsters on both sides of my waist and I carried it with me everywhere I went. And that was like, friends of mine were like, are you ever going to like stop wearing these boots? And you know, I, my mom literally said that I used to sleep with my boots on. I would scream as she took off my cowboy boots, which makes sense now because I love cow. I love our country music. So, and I love everything Western and you know, the point I'm making is this, is that literally my sister's toys was like gearing her to become a, a person who took care of babies. She had a lot of babies and diapers and strollers and how to make a kitchen and how to cook in little pots and little fake little foods and things. And I thought that was really interesting. So I would go in her room and play with her toys and she would go in my room and play with my toys. <laughs> go, go figure, right? So Going back to what I was saying was, is that, you know, I played and played and played with toys. And then at one point, my dad came in and was like, you're getting a little too old to play with toys. We're going to give some of your toys away to some of your cousins who um, don't have certain things. And because of, you know, when you're, when you're in a Hawaiian Filipino family with Japanese, uh, we have this whole thing that anything that you don't use goes into a box and it gets given to your, cousin, your cousins. So literally anything I didn't touch for a long time, I'd come home, it would be gone. And then my stepmom, who's Hawaiian, Filipino, Japanese, would say to me, um, I'm like, what happened to my toy? And she's like, well, bro, you weren't playing with the toy, so we want to give them to your cousin. I'm like, oh, okay. So everything, I was always having to pick and choose, like, okay, what toy am I going to play with that actually is going to make sense that they would see me playing with it and realize not to box it up and hand it over to my cousins. It's a, real, it's a real thing that happens in Filipino families and Hawaiian families and that kind of all that island families, you know, from Samoan to Tongan to Filipino to Hawaiian to you name it, right? So, you know, I grew up in that culture and literally um, my dad was, I came at one point and was like, it's time for you to stop playing with toys. You have to start getting into the real world. And I remember hearing that and I remember hearing the spirit speak in my head say, He's so wrong. What he's about, what he's telling you right now will take you away from creation. And I thought, what is happening right now? What is he, what is he telling me that I have to become? What is this? I have to grow up and be a man. He said to me, you have to put those toys away. You have to stop playing with toys and you have to take things responsible. You need to go out there and get a job and you have to go into the world and make something of yourself. These are his exact words. 
do you think money grows on trees was his other wonderful word that he would say, even though he had lots and lots of money, it didn't matter. The heater bill, this bill, that bill, he always had to tell me about bills and bills and bills and bills and bills. And what he told me about the most was the fact that it doesn't grow on trees and you have to work hard for what you need. And you have to go out there and make something of yourself and put your best foot forward, son, and make sure that you always look a man straight in the eyes and you have integrity. And every time a woman walks by you, you if you have a hat on, you take your hat off. If a woman gets up from the table, you get up from the table. My dad is old school. And you imagine my dad was born in 1920s, okay? Old school. So I grew up with a very old school father who was already older when he had me and grew up in that way that he grew up. So everything to him was about etiquette and class and honor and all of these different things, including the other members of my family, which are his brothers and sisters and my aunts and uncles. They were also the same way, very old school. My aunt, Shirley, who was a world-renowned mezzo-sopranist opera singer, would come over to the house wearing her turban and as a diva opera singer she is. You know, she would be singing in all the different, uh, you know, opera houses worldwide and come over and we'd sit on the table and she'd be like, put your back up straight. You know, grown men don't sit that way. You know, don't put the spoon all the way in your mouth. Sit from the side of the spoon by tilting the spoon ever so uh, gently into your mouth. But make sure your napkin is nicely pressed on your lap. Do not put your elbows on the table. Keep your spine straight so you look proper. You know, very old school, you know, shoes polished, clothes aligned, and they were just sucking the life force out of me, literally sucking the life force out of me. And don't get me wrong. I love my aunt. She's done so much in the world. I mean, you can look her up. You can see the music she does. It's absolutely amazing and phenomenal music. And my dad's an amazing guy. You know, he was a, he was a road manager to my cousin, uh, Fats Domino. And he was his road manager until they couldn't take any more of the lynching and any more of the shootouts of people stealing their money. Because, hey, I don't know if you all know the word shotgun and where it actually comes from. Well, thanks to my dad and his time of being on the road and jazz bands, uh, literally when he was managing with Fats Domino, shotgun actually comes from the fact that you have can't put your money in a bank because of the color of your skin. And so therefore your bank is the car in which you drove in. And so Every time they would do a gig, they'd put the money in the back of the trunk and then someone would sit in the front seat with, guess what? A shotgun. That's right. And that way, every time they went to a new town, there were certain country boys that would come and do and try to steal their money and, you know, and wrestle them up or freak them out or do a lynching before they got there so they can abandon their cars and leave all that money behind. And then they would have to start from zero. And at one point, my dad just got sick and tired of constantly having to learn how to shoot guns and defend his money and the money that they work so hard on. And of course, Fats was always giving the money to girls that he would meet after, after their shows and stuff and be like, you know, give her this and give her that. And my dad would be like, no, she gets this. So I can understand his mentality of like going out there, working, experiencing life and my aunt's mentality and pretty much my whole family from that, from that point of view. However, one thing they didn't realize in all of that was that the more and more they worked hard and the more and more they believe that only way you can make it in life is to work hard with that mindset. And the more and more they took themselves away from the joy and the play that brought them that little kid expression on their face that made them light up a room, smile, giggle, laugh, be goofy, be silly, run around and do whatever they want to do without a care in the world. That was the moment when they were closest to God. 
<laughs> Did you get that? Yeah. So think of it like this, right? So what I so when I when my dad came to me and said, Hey, I really need you to start growing up. You know, you you really need to take your studies seriously. My dad had this very strong rule that I was allowed to practice shamanism as long as I studied religion as well, because he wanted me to be well versed. Also, the fact that my grandfather um, decided to pull away from that side of the family and become a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, big-time minister. Like, when I talk minister, I'm talking, like, big-time minister, right? So, keeping the Shabbat, honoring the holy days, you know? So, we'd have Shabbat dinner. On Friday, our kitchen was very kosher. We had one side that was, like, the meat. You had the forks on one side for, like, the meat. And then one side is, like, the dairy and the cheese and so forth and, like... You didn't mix the two. And then every Friday we had Shabbat dinner. And then we would sit and just focus on God. And my grandfather's side of the, my grandfather, when, cause he married my grandmother, which is the side of the family that is the shamanic side of the family that comes from, from Africa and so forth. So that side of the family, you know, my grandfather was like doing everything he can to kind of pull away from that side. Cause when he got into Seventh day Adventist and he got into Catholicism, he thought, wow, this is dark and, you know, shamanism is evil and blah, blah, blah. And so we should like push away from that. And so when he saw it in me, it became even more intense because literally I knew that whatever my dad was telling me and whatever my stepmom was telling me, they're all crazy including my grandfather. There's just all cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Everything that came out of their mouth was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, literally my grandfather would say to me, yeah, so, you know, we're all born in the sin. And I'm like, born in the sin? What does that mean? Well, we're born in the sin because you're born in the sin because, you know, you're a sinner by nature. And so therefore Jesus died for your sins. And that's why you're born in the sin. And you have to keep the Shabbat. And, you, and so we would do Shabbat on Friday and then till Saturday you know, so we'd have Shabbat dinner, honor the Shabbat. My grandfather would turn on one candle in the house and literally you would go to the bathroom in the dark. No other lights would be on in the house. And he forbid you to lift a finger to do anything because you're not supposed to work on Shabbat. And he would give me this story about the fact that, you know, if you work on Shabbat, there's a story in the Bible that, you know, God will strike you down. Like he striked down this little boy who carried wood and worked on Shabbat. And therefore, uh, that will be the end of you. So everyone in the family was scared. And of course, me, because I'm a prodigy of um, my grandmother, who on the, that side of the family is the shamanic side that has the ability to, to speak to spirits and the ancestors and you know all of this stuff. And so my family was very divided. And the ones who were much more in the shamanic side, they were kind of pushed aside. And the ones who were more religious were more the aristocratic side with the money and the wealth and everything. And then the other ones were like, didn't have the money and the wealth and so forth. It was like a big divide. It's interesting. And so I was a part of, I was trapped in the middle between those two. I was trapped in the middle of the, like the very aristocratic, like back up straight, you know, put dip your hands in the lemon water before you eat fish. And like all of these very interesting etiquettes that we had to follow. Like when you come home, you take your clothes, you put it on a hanger before you go to bed, you set up your outfit for the next night, for the next day by putting it in front of you with your shoes all polished, your everything is a certain way. And then the other family was just like, who cares? Just live your life free and connect the spirit and be happy and find, find joy and all this is very, very conflicting energies going on, right? And so through that conflicting of energies, there was this thought that sat in my mind that if I play, if I be a kid, that God is going to strike me down because I broke Shabbat. 
I thought to myself, as a little boy, then I'm willing to do it. I have to. I have to know. I have to know if this God that my grandfather speaks of is that angry and upset for me being a kid that it would strike me down on Shabbat because I chose to play. So I told my sister, hey, you know, I'm, I'm literally giving you all my things. And she said, why? And I said, because when we're at grandfather's house for this Shabbat, I'm going to play with his train set. Now, my grandfather was this elaborate train maker. He had this room in the back of our, our family ranch house where there would be trains. He built like mountains and cities with people and one train going one direction, another train going up the wall, up to another direction. The most amazing elaborate train set you've probably ever seen, like something I would see out of a movie. And he was the only one who was allowed to play with it. No one else. My grandfather had very strict rules about anyone touching his train set. He would give us a moment, uh, like uh, sometimes we'd have Shabbat and Shabbat would be over and we would finish our Shabbat on Saturday. And, um, and the, so when the sun went down and then we were allowed to, to watch him play with the train set, but we were not allowed to play with it, which I thought was very interesting. And then he had motorcycles. He was very avid collector of motorcycles and we had our ranch, you know, you had like animals and things of that nature. And I always liked the garden and being around horses and so forth, which I, makes sense because I love riding horses. And the thing is, what I thought was really interesting, which kind of really um, made me think was... He was very strict about the train set. And so I decided that I was going to deliberately break Shabbat and give this God a test to see if God would be mad at me for being a kid and just wanting to play. My sister couldn't believe it. She was going to tell my dad. She's like, I'm going to tell dad. I can't believe you're going to do this. Why would you disrespect? Why would you disrespect the Shabbat? Why would you break Shabbat? I said, I have to. I need to know what kind of God this is that grandfather speaks of because I'm conflicted. You see, I have one side of me that believes in, in what the shamanic side is teaching me, which is the nature and that all things are creation and everything that is love is creation and all things are creation. Anything that's out of love is still creation, but it's distorted intelligence because whatever has distorted that intelligence has a consciousness and has used its consciousness incorrectly. So I thought, that's what I learned on the shamanic side. And then the religious side is telling me that, you know, God gets angry, God gets mad. And I was thinking to myself, how can God get angry and get mad? That means God has fear because anger and fear in shamanism basically means you have, if you get angry and you have fear or you get mad, you know, uh, angry and mad, same thing, basically. And you get angry or jealous is what I was really meant, meaning to say. When you get angry, you get jealous. Jealousy comes from lack. And jealousy comes from the idea that you don't think something's right with you or you don't have something that the other person has. And so therefore you get jealous. And then also fear and anger and all of that kind of goes right under the umbrella of fear. So how can God be omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient and have fear? and get jealous and get angry. So it was very conflicting. And then the shamanic side is God is pure love and, all, and God is creation and nature and spirit and everything is all connected. And we are the embodiment of that creation. Each individual aspect of everything is an embodiment of that creation. And the consciousness decides how that creation is being utilized through the way it speaks and the way it thinks. And I'm thinking, there's a big clash here. So I told my sister, you know, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to break the Shabbat. I'm going to do it. 
And I said, and I would really appreciate it if you didn't tell anyone. And she said, okay, I'm not going to say anything. So what did I do? We had Shabbat, you know, we made barking of the bread. We had the dinner. And then at the end, I snuck out of the room when everyone was supposed to be sitting and focusing on God in the dark with one candle burning and bumping into the walls to get to the bathroom. <laughs> I snuck into the back of this ranch house, opened up the door and, oh, the train set. The train set, the one I've always wanted to play with, but my grandfather was only about him playing with that train set and when us kids watching him, which was, by the way, boring and not fun and really not cool because it was like, you get to play with it, but I don't. And, you know, it was just didn't make sense. But, you know, that was his thing. That was his hobby. He built it. He made it. I get it. You know, whatever. But I didn't care at this point. At this point, I decided I was going to be what people call today a honey badger, right? And a lot of my friends call me honey badger because I just don't care. And I get into this place. And when I say I don't care, it doesn't mean I don't care about you. I don't care about the world. I don't care about the major issues happening in the world. I don't care about the rules enforced on us that says we can't be free and love and be happy and just, you know, just be a spirit that just wants to experience things without rules, like labels and rules and all that. So yeah, I'm that honey badger and I accept it. I'm okay with it. When my friend showed me the, the video of honey badger, I started thinking in my life, that's me. I'm definitely a honey badger. I just don't care. And so I literally went in to the, to the train room, turned on the light, closed the door very softly so that none of the family members, because I could hear them all talking, including my aunt talking, because she's very loud because, you know, she's French and she speaks French and she's like very loud. And a lot of family members that speak French as well, they're always very loud in the room talking about God and Shabbat, which is, I consider that work too, because you can talk a lot and that can be a lot of work to talk, but they didn't consider that work. But anyway, who, you know, whatever. So I go in the room, I, I, I creep really slowly in the room and I turn on the train and I lit up. I had a smile on my face and I'm watching the train go around the track and I keep looking up at the sky. Well, at the sky really was looking up at the ceiling, but I was thinking if God is going to strike me down, it's obviously from the sky. It's going to come through the ceiling and shoot lightning in my body or burn me on, 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 right on the spot. And that would be the end of me. But at least I got to play with this train set, right? I always been a rebel. You know, my mom always told me the soul is a rebel. And I honestly believe what my mom has told me. She still says it to this day. She said, honey, the reason why you're able to do the things that you do is because your soul's a rebel. You just won't listen to what people's rules are. And that's what's going to help you build leaders in this world because you're going to teach them to stop listening to these rules and labels and attachments and so on. But let's get back to the story of the train. So train going around the track, lit up like a kid. I'm lit. Okay. When I say lit, I mean, smiles, eyes glowing, so excited. I'm watching the train go through the cities and then it's going up to this ramp across this bridge where there's like boats. And then it goes all the way up on the wall on the backside of the wall and everything. And I keep looking up. I see no lightning. I see no fire. I'm like, okay, I'm breaking Shabbat. Where's this God that has been told to be angry and upset if I break Shabbat and would strike me down that my grandfather so many times would speak about nothing, 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 nothing at all. And I started laughing and I started laughing even more. 
<laughs> and even now I'm laughing because it just brings back so many memories just rushing through me. But the funny thing was, and this is really when it dawned on me. This is when I realized the, the nonsense uh, that I've been, you know, pervaded with is when my aunt came in and smacked me for playing with that train set and I got spanked for playing with that train set. And I realized it's not God that punishes, it's humans. It just, you know, it just made very clear sense to me. It's not, it's not God that punishes, it's humans. It's not God because I, I, I was a kid and I did exactly what was not meant to be. And some people can say, oh yeah, well, God smacks you through that person. I'm sorry, I can't buy that. Because later on, I went in my room and I was crying and I was sad and I was grounded and I got spanked and the whole family's mad at me. And everyone's like came in my room and gave me a piece of their mind. Like, how could you? What were you thinking? You are, you are so disrespectful and all these things that they said to me. And all I kept hearing in my spirit, in my being was you did the right thing. And I said, what is that right thing? And it said, you remembered me. And I said, what did I remember? And it said, you remembered the truth despite the lies, the deceptions of fear that were put in front of you through people that you are meant to trust and obey. My father comes into my room and he says, you know, son, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, obey your parents and your days will be long. He goes, do you think your days will be long by you disrespecting me and your grandfather and your grandmother and the whole entire family? And I said, I hear you, dad. I hear you. But I'm a kid and I wanted to play. And every chance I get to play is at the end of Shabbat. And in Seventh-day Adventist, you do Shabbat Friday, Saturday, you finish the Shabbat. And then and you still eat food. And then you, Sunday, you're in church all day. And then Sunday you come home and you get like two or three hours to play. And then you got to do your homework because school's the next day. That's not a fun existence. Why am I on this planet to be living in that kind of existence? And I said to my dad, I said, you know, I hear where you're coming from, dad. And I appreciate you letting me know that. Thank you. And he's like, I hope so. I hope so, because we're not finished. This is not, this is not at all over. And I said, okay, okay. And then he wanted to go tell me a story about when he was a kid and how he did something similar. And my grandfather took him out to get ice cream and he thought he wasn't going to get in trouble. And then when he came back with the ice cream, my grandfather, he was so happy as a kid filled with joy and happiness that, you know, he did something like, you know, that he wasn't supposed to do. And then my grandfather decided to, to, to whip him, you know, after he finished his ice cream. And I thought, wow, what a very uh, tragic story, dad. Thanks for that information. You know, my dad's like, okay, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know, you have it coming. You have it coming. I said, okay, okay, I get it. And then I went back to that voice that was talking to me from within. And that voice said to me again, don't listen to what he's saying. He's been programmed. He's given up on me. Don't give up on me. And I said to myself, who are you? And it said, I'm the little boy inside of you. Don't give up on me. Don't stop being a kid. And I said, well, what happens if someone stops being a kid? 
And the voice said, they fall into darkness, into rules, into control of the different spirits that are ruling over them, such as doubt, control, fear. Started listing off all these spirits that exist. I thought, okay. And, you know, what I realized through my shamanic training and through staying in, in contact with that voice ever since I was a little boy, even up until now, I still play with toys. I travel with my action figures. I have PlayStation in London. I have PlayStation in LA. So whenever I go, I, I can play my video games. I fly kites. I, I, I you know, uh, have a sticker collection. I have coloring books. I, you know, I pretty much do the same thing that I did back then. I still do now. And I am an adult and I'm very responsible. And I am going out in the world and meeting with very powerful people. And I go home and I play. And, you know, I was thinking about it because I was thinking about Michael Jackson. I was thinking about when I was a kid and I found that in a Michael Jackson play, like he had this beautiful place called Wonderland. I think that's what it was called. And I thought, oh my God, I really wish I could meet him one day. We'd have so much fun playing with toys. I completely understand who he, what he is and what, what this is about. But he was trapped. He was trapped into a world where he felt that he was a little boy and he was also a man and he couldn't differentiate between the two at times. And like all kids, you know, we, we do things in our lives um, because we don't have these ideas of boundaries and rules and all these types of things. And I don't have the same. And I still don't have the same. And, and it's a challenge for me sometimes, you know, because sometimes I just want to hold people and cuddle them. And then they're like, oh, that's inappropriate. You shouldn't do that. You're not allowed to cuddle that, that girl or that guy. You know, this, if you cuddle that guy, you know, they think you're this and you, you do this. They might think you're trying to do this. And, you know, sometimes I'm just, I'm just a very free spirit. And I realize that I'm just, that's who I am. And that voice, you know, has grown with me. And when I found out, which was really interesting, I found out that that voice, one day I asked, I said, who are you really? Are you really my little boy inside? You know, when I went through a lot of pain and suffering in my life, you know, everyone has this thing where they call it, they have a hurt inner child. I found out that you don't have a hurt inner child and that you're, the inner child hurt that you're actually feeling is the fact that you're still blaming yourself or holding on to the energy that has caused you hurt. And therefore it's hurting your relationship with your child, which is your soul. And I realized that the little boy in me that turned on that train set was God. Ooh, huh? Yeah. I found out that the little boy inside of me is God, is my soul, is, it's, it's, it is the light of my being. It is the, the creator. And one day I asked, I said, little boy, are you disguised as a little boy? Are you really God? And it said, yes. And that's why I want you not to forget about me. And to tell me who I am and you'll become it. I said, wait, so if I say to you that you're smart and that you are intelligent and that beautiful things are always showing up for you, that means that you will create that for me? And God said, yes. The little boy inside of me said, yes. Human beings don't understand me. They've let darkness get into their minds and pollute themselves against me. And I love them unconditionally. And I said, so you mean to tell me that all of these things about God being angry and jealous and this God being this and that and all these things and all of it is because 
darkness infiltrated into the minds of people, that darkness are our brothers and sisters. Because see, my little boy explained the whole thing to me. He said to me that we came from a region of light and we migrated here through stargates and entered into this realm of because it's held in a darker, dense form, and that we came here to erase our memory of the light so that we wouldn't, so we would fully commit to being here on earth. We created um, a part of our mind that creates attachment to the earth experience. We made a contract, and when say contract, not in the way that you would if you were with a lawyer, but a negotiation of love that with the elemental kingdom of this world to inhabit and embody the DNA of the animal species. So we indigenated with the animal species through our light vehicle, giving us this amazing body, which you can call it the, the uh, biological spacesuit, as I call it, that is an intelligent light source because it's a living spirit. It's a living organism. Every organ in your body, every skin, everything in your body is living. Your mitochondria, your entire networking system is a living consciousness within consciousness, within consciousness, within consciousness of many spirits that are supporting you to stay in this body so that you can do what you came to this earth to do, which is to lift the planet into a star kingdom, into a light frequency. So how do we do that? We do that by embracing the darkness with love, transmuting it through our consciousness, through the help of our inner child, which is God, utilizing our powers, which is inside of us to transmute this energy and bring it into its most highest form so that we get to become, you know, this powerful, what people call, uh, and a lot of, uh, conversations I've heard people talking about as an ascended master. Some people call it as your a higher self and all of these different things. But in the spirit world, it really is just you being you as the creator, operating your energies in the direction and in through the lens of unconditional love for all sentient beings and for all life forms. And that there is no discrimination and there is no hierarchy and there is no you versus me attitude. It is a we and an all and and, uh, and and everyone, right? It's a we all and everyone attitude. And so that little boy in me, which everyone uh, knows when I was a kid growing up, my nickname in school was Ducky. Ducky, which I call, right? That little boy in me, Ducky. And if you've ever seen my IG live, sometimes you'll see me uh, posting about me playing with my action figures and my sticker books that I'll do with my friend Bonnie and like, you know, all kinds of things that I like to do with my friends who are my friends who know me, know I'm a big kid and I like to play and I like to have fun and literally know that if you're going to hang out in my circle around me, uh, you have to understand that your rules do not apply in my world. So if you're going to be around me, you know, I might just, you know, spend that at your house. You might all of a sudden wake up and see me, you know, if you're a husband and wife, which I've done many times to my friends, is I just crawl up in their bed and snuggle them with a smile on my face and hug them with, with kisses and love. You know, the thing is, I'm like a kid. And so I'll skip down the street. I sing Disney songs out loud and, you know, and, and literally just love all over you. I, I, I literally, I think a, a, a really uh, powerful shaman once said to me from Africa, he said, uh, he said, you know, you have so much love 
that your love can implode a human being. So you have to pull back some of that love until humans are ready to receive the full capacity of love that you have. It's very interesting because I do have so much love. And sometimes my friends are like, wow, your love is so intense. It's so wonderful. It feels so good, but I'm not used to it. So I have to take it in increments. And that's okay. I am who I am. That's just the way it is. But the thing is, what I learned about was that my love and the nature of my being comes from my soul. And my soul is that little boy. And that little boy is creation, is God. And so whatever I tell myself, if I tell myself I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm not smart enough. If I say I'm sick or I'm this or I'm that, then God has to create it for me. That's just the way it is. And then the ego, which was created as a way to get us to hold on to things, right? To identify with things and then create attachments, as you've heard many times in a lot of um, different, you know, um, spiritual conversations uh, from the East, which is let go of your attachments, release from your attachments, disarm your attachments, and all of these different things that you've heard. Well, the reason why is because they're talking about the ego, right? But the ego is there to identify you and to edify whatever you believe as a creator. So if you believe the world's a scary place, that's what the ego is going to make it for you, right? And then you get to be right. And if you believe that bad things happen to you, then God has to make sure they happen to you. A lot of times I'll hear people go into this whole thing like, well, if there really was a God, then why is there so much suffering? If there really was a God, then why did my, my mom die? If there really was a, a God, why did I have to go through that consecration? Why did I have to go through that, that consec- uh, concentration camp? And why did I have to go through this? And why did I have to have this thing happen? And why did I lose my son if there was a God? Well, the reality is, is that God has gotten the worst rap on this planet because God is seen incorrectly. God is not the savior um, that's here to fix problems when you are the one creating it. You can't just tell God, oh God, go fix cancer when everyone keeps believing in cancer. It doesn't work that way. If you understand the dynamic exchange of energy and communication that happens in the universe as a whole structure, you will understand that everything that's created has come from consciousness. Okay. If the table's in front of you, if there's a chair in front of you, that means someone thought of that in the spirit world and then found the elements and the particles and all of the matter substances to bring it together into fruition on the physical plane. Everything that manifests emotionally and mentally has also come from consciousness. So everything that you are experiencing in your life, if you want cancer off this planet, you're not going to get it off this planet by being mad at it. You're not going to get it off this planet by getting upset about it. And you're definitely not going to fix anything when you think you're at war with it right? Because war represents duality and it means inability to conversate in a loving way of understanding each, each position and finding harmony, peace, and allowance for there to be a symbiosis of growth, understanding, and wisdom to be birthed out of that conflict. So all conflict is, is one person's insecure, the other person's insecure, the other person reacts because of their insecurity, the other person reacts because they got reacted upon, and now they're battling. And how many lives, how many people they had to die in the Vietnam War for for insecurity and nonsense and bets? How many people have to keep dying on earth for people's inability to go into themselves and find who God is? And here's a funny thing that I found was really interesting. My grandfather said to me when I was a little boy, he said, first search the kingdom of your heart. First search the kingdom of your heart. That means go in. When he says that God is in the likeness 
of you. It's not just men. God is in the likeness of all things because God is creation. So it lives in every single thing as a reflection of that consciousness that is beaming from that which is. So if we on earth want to see change, we need to understand what it really means to do inner child work. What is inner child work? Inner child work is not what I see in the new age world, like hurt the hurt child, the child that needs love and all that kind of stuff. That's just like... Right. That's just basically saying like you have a hurt inner child. That just means that you are holding on to an incorrect thinking or an incorrect emotion that is actually affecting your relationship with God. That's it. It's the hurt child is basically God playing out inside of you that you have this false belief, this energy, you're holding on to things you're not letting go, which we should never do. That's the reason why we have an ocean to show us repetitively how to come in and to go out, how to come in and how to go out. First first rule of thumb in shamanism is if you want to learn about how we're supposed to operate as human beings, then look towards the elements such as the rain, the wind, the ocean, the river, the mountains, and so forth, right? And so if we look at the ocean, it comes in, it goes out, it comes in, it goes out. Why? So the ocean can keep purifying itself. It has to keep moving. Where do we as human beings think it's okay to be stagnant and think we're not going to get sick and have problems and get anger and have all this anxiety and build up and you name it inside of us, right? So the consciousness, right, of acknowledging the creator in you is the reverence of two things. One, how you speak to yourself. And two, what you believe about yourself. Because whatever you say to yourself or whatever you believe about yourself, that's what you believe about God. Why? Because whatever you say to yourself, your soul, which is God, which is that little child, is listening to you and accepts whatever you say as truth. Because God doesn't operate in the realm of duality. God is a creator. Speak it and it is done. Knock and the door shall open. You know, uh, you know, in, in, in what is it, in, in pagan culture or in uh, different cultures, they say things like amen, which is the, basically saying it's done. And in pagan culture, you say so mode it be. And different cultures have different ways of saying it. You can, you know, I've even had uh, my friend Michael Bethwick say, and so it is. It's the same thing. They're all the same thing, right? Abracadabra, same thing, right? And so if we are to look at the fact that every time we open our mouth, if it's not coming out of our mouth with love and energy that is directed to lift us, shift us, expand us, and bring blessing upon us through our words and blessing upon others, which by the way, I bless all of you with the most amazing life, easy life, filled with love, joy, happiness, freedom, prosperity, good health, love, wonderful ecstasy, joy, pleasure, and bliss in your life. Everything in your life, I'm blessing you up. Every day, if you are not blessing yourself up and blessing other people up, then what are you talking about out of your mouth? So that's key. One and two. One, boom, blessing, speaking, when you speak, you're speaking to God. Whatever you say to God, God creates. There is no, oh, I know you didn't really want that. No, God doesn't play the game of, I know you didn't really want that, so I didn't create it for you. No, God says, as you, as you speak, so it is. That's it. So as you speak, so it is. It's done. That's the way it is. So might it be abracadabra, you know, whatever. All of those things just go right into motion, right? 
So when you speak, you're speaking to God. And when you speak to God, which is the little boy or the little girl inside of you, you're creating. And then when you think about something, like when you think about something about yourself, you're also speaking to God. So thinking and speaking are the same. So that's why I let your thoughts be, um, be filled with love and let your words speak with love. And therefore you will have love and great things in your life, right? So if you have an illness in your body, right? Like when I was in a wheelchair, I wasn't like, oh my God, I'm in a wheelchair. I feel so horrible. Like my life sucks. No, I was like, my legs are healing right now. Thank you. I'm so powerful. I'm so powerful. I love how I can get out of this wheelchair. My body's getting stronger. My body's connecting. My brain is connecting. My spine is connecting. All of my intricate design is connecting so that I can walk. And it's so wonderful. And I'm so excited about it. That's how I spoke. And then all of a sudden, like literally through my physical therapist, and then of course, through my powers and you know all of that, you know, you got you got the dancing shaman here, right? Walking, you know, running, kicking, and you know, all kinds of stuff, right? Because why? Because I believed. So I told myself it. So God believed because I believed and I spoke. And so I spoke and God listened and created. And that's really how it goes. And so when we create anything negative based, like if we're speaking out in negative tone, like if we are if we are going into a space where we're speaking negatively about ourselves and we're thinking negatively about ourselves, that gets created too. And unless you over, um, override it with something completely higher in vibration than what you said within the time frame, within that period of time, let's say, like, let's say five to 10 minutes, you know? And actually, let's just get clear uh, before I throw those numbers at you. Um, council members, and uh, what is the time frame that things get created in? Per, per, wow, per milli of second, it gets created. And what, how much time frame do we have to cancel that out with something else? Uh, council member says, the moment you open your mouth and think differently, it's immediately shifted. And if you stay in that frequency and stay in that truth, it stays shifted. And then you just be open to the allowance of it showing up. And that's really what it comes down to, right? So if you're focusing on money issues, I would say, get off the focus of money issues and stop making it an issue. If you're in the moment, in the present moment, let's say you don't have money. Let's say in the present moment, you don't have money and that's the reality and you don't have money from your reality at this point. Now, when I say reality, it doesn't mean the reality is stuck, right? Reality is just that which you see in the moment. It doesn't mean it's stuck because energy is always moving. So you can't just say, this is the way it is and that's how it always is and that's all I've known. Like that right there is just basically hammering the nail on the coffin because you're literally could pull the nail off the coffin and get out of the damn coffin, but you continue to hammer the nail by making that statement. So realize that whatever you're experiencing right now is not reality. It's just what you're seeing right now because of the way you were thinking back then. Okay. So if it's money issues, you don't think about money issues. What you think about is how money comes to you and how you love money and how money is always showing up for you and opportunity is always showing up for you and how excited you are about it and how wonderful it is and how easy it is for you to make money, how easy it is for you to open up doors for prosperity and abundance, how easy it is for you to do these things. And then just by you saying it or thinking it about yourself, literally God is immediately creating it. And as this council just told, me to tell you, which you heard me ask, it's per millisecond. So it means it's, 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 it's before even a second happens. That's how quick it gets created, right? And then what you do after that is that you don't think opposite of it. 
You just stay in that frequency and that, no, you don't have to repeat it. Like a lot of times people are like, do I have to repeat these affirmations like over and over? I am beautiful. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. Every time you say the second, I am beautiful, you're basically canceling out the first one because it means that you don't believe it, that you have to reinforce it. You don't need to reinforce it. That's also an illusion created by humanity. The only thing that you, you have this belief that the way we learn are through pattern exchanges because that's what you were taught in school, the institution that programs you through repetitive experiences, right? Constantly putting things in your face over and over and over, year after year after year, taking test after test after test, right? Study, 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 study. Remember, 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 remember. Trust me, the things you care about, you'll remember. The things you don't care about, who cares? And secondly, you know, the school system does that to make you a robot so that you live in what we call a pattern exchange. You operate from the idea that you can't change something unless you put it through pattern. And I've heard people say like 22 days to make a pattern, 22 days to break a pattern. Bullshit. I'm sorry. I got to call the bullshit on that one. I have broken patterns in two days. I was a chronic smoker for many, many years. And one morning woke up and decided that I wasn't going to smoke anymore because you know why? Because I just didn't want to anymore. I didn't feel like it was good for me. I didn't want to have it anymore. And I just stuck to it and made a decision. I decided I wanted to do OMOD. I didn't have to go through a bunch of suffering and then go back and cheat and eat food and all this stuff. I just chose to be on OMOD and that's the way I've been living my life. Right? And, 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 and so forth. Like if I go to a restaurant and I don't like the restaurant, I don't need to go be at the restaurant. I'm just going to choose another restaurant. I don't need to go through this big, long, drawn out spiritual healing to get me to not want to go back to that restaurant. That's just ridiculous. And if I don't like the shoes I'm wearing, then I'm going to stop wearing them. And so if I don't like to be in a certain energy and I don't want to deal with abuse, I just don't choose to deal with abuse and that's it. I don't care what the circumstances are. If I love the person, great, but I have to love myself more. And so I just make a decision that I don't want abuse and that's it. And whatever that looks like and however that shows up, I'm willing to take the journey. And if it's a painful journey, the pain is only my ego. So then I just need to give my ego love and talk to the God within me, which is my little boy, to give me the understand. I tell that God inside of me how it feels about the whole situation. Situation, and there all of a sudden my ego gets in alignment and I'm good and I'm solid. You see, we make it more challenging because we've been following this institutionalized way of repetitive programming. So when you say I'm creating money in my life, first thing you have to understand is that if you're going to say I created money, just be more specific. Like I'm creating money in my life within this month or within this week or within the next two days, not I'm creating money in my life. And then your spirit's like, okay, that's great. But when? So you can say it was amazing how I created money in my life. Now you're operating on your quantum level and you're speaking into God consciousness because then now you're basically saying, or you can say, I love how easy it is for me to create money. And I love that I'm always creating it. And in that moment, God's like, great, fantastic, done. Okay, what else? What else do you need? So if we're going to fix the planet, we got to, first of all, stop blaming God for all these things. And if a person dies, I hate to bust it to you because I learned this when I died. It's their choice to die. And then maybe they may have gone, you may say, well, that's not true because my family once tried to do all these things to stay alive. All of that I call is the masquerade of keeping the family members believing that they're doing everything they can. When someone wants to leave the earth, I don't care what you say and what you do. If they really want to leave, they're going to leave. If they're a person who is suicidal, 
you can help them because there's a spirit attached to them that's making them suicidal, which we'll get into that in another podcast. However, the fact of the matter is that if they have these types of stresses and all these different things, these are spirits. And I've said this many times to people, these are spirits. They are not you. You are that child. You are that pure love. You are that pure essence. You are that pure play. And guess what? Did you know that when you play like a kid, not go to Vegas and hit the slot machines or the black blackjack table. That's not what I mean. That's play for your adult. I mean, play like a kid. You literally bring prosperity into your life, new ideas. I mean, I did this whole thing where I was in New York and I got a bunch of CEOs together and I brought a bunch of toys in the room and I had them play with it. At first, they were just kind of like, uh, 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 not really engaging so much. And then all of a sudden, one of them even said, I can't even believe I'm paying you to, to make me play with toys. And I don't understand where this is going and I got to get back to my office. And I was like, well, this is going somewhere and I need you to just fully commit to this experience and not try to control where you think it's going because you'll never figure it out because I'll change it up in a second. And so literally, finally, the CEO was like, okay, fine. I can't tell names, but they were very powerful and literally went in and started playing with me. And then they finally started having fun with me. And then they didn't realize that time was flying by and we were literally getting in the characters and playing and they were having fun. And they were like, I can't even believe that I still have this little boy inside of me that likes to play. And I said, yes. And then they left. And they were like, we don't know what this is going to do, but we trust you, Shaman Dirk. And they left and I got a phone call a week later and they said, oh my goodness, I have all these new creative ideas that came through. I have a whole new structure from the way I'm doing business. I see things differently that I've never seen before. I didn't realize that I wasn't paying attention to my wife's needs. All of these different doorways open and it was all because of play because what play does is it takes you out of the constructs of the matrix and the matrix. What is the matrix, everyone? Okay, fine. Quick understanding of the matrix. The matrix is a designed structure created by the beings in the underworld, the ones who didn't go to the light when they died because they couldn't accept what they did and you have to let go of everything in order to move on and some beings can't let go of it. So they, they go to this underworld. They need a host. We happen to be the host. Ta-da! So every time you hear a negative thought in your head, just know that's a spirit calling out to ask you to help it get to the light. But in fact, if you don't know that, then you become... You take on that spirit's uh, story and that story gets stuck in and you actually think that's your story and you start acting out fears or doubts or this or that or phobias, all kinds of things. It's just a big list. And so the thing is, is where it comes down to is this, is that the matrix is a construct of those beings that got into the minds of human beings who are hosts and asked them to build an infrastructure that continues to create fear and that we can live in and we have to support by going to school, learning the institution that teaches us how to be obedient followers to that institution uh, and to that structure of the matrix. And then we fall in line with it and we fall in line with whatever people are doing in that structure. So if everyone all of a sudden is like, oh my God, Justin Bieber is amazing, even though you may not like his music, all of a sudden you might feel this inclination to just scream next time you see Justin Bieber. But it doesn't mean you're fully programmed. It just means you have like a little bit of program, but nonetheless, you, you might have a little bit of scream, right? Because what happens is, is that the consensus, or should we say society as a whole creates a consensus, a collective field of energy that makes you feel that if you're not following what the herd is doing, something must be wrong with you. And then you get told you're a black sheep in the family and you get questions from your friends. Like, I can't believe you're leaving your job. What are you thinking? What are you doing? How could you call off this wedding? He was so great for you. No, he wasn't. Or no, she wasn't, you know, and I'm, you know, discovering myself and getting into that space of recognizing that 
I've been living my life for everyone else and I've been doing what everyone else wants me to do and I've been following the matrix and I've become a, 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 a pawn of the matrix or should I say a muggle as I would say uh, from because I'm such a big Harry Potter fan and, um, and that's a, you know, a muggle behavior, right? A muggle behavior is one who just is like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and keep following this system and make money and have kids and do all these things and just be completely miserable in my life because I'm really not living my truth. And then through that, your soul will get tired of wanting to be here because your little child, which is God, will say, well, if you don't want me to shine, if you're not going to let open your vessel to let me shine the most beautiful, vibrant, colorful, radiant, magical glitter, uh, you know, talk about like everything magical, lit power through your being into the world, then let's just go home. And that's when people usually just like, we're out. And all of a sudden they get cancer or this thing or that thing happens or you get in a car accident or a plane crashes or whatever it is because they're not living in their full potential because something has been limiting them. Or the fact is some beings don't just leave because they're not living in their potential. Some beings leave because they just had enough and they're ready to go home and they just want to go back to, you know, swimming and flying and being in the mountains and changing into an animal and eating whatever they want without getting fat. And the list goes on and on what it's like on the other side. And uh, yeah, so going back to what I was saying is being a kid, right? Connecting to your inner child is not about your inner child. It's connecting to your soul. It is the child. And so let that child remind you of what it is to play and be free and be happy and watch your life change. You're gonna, you are gonna be like an amazing, powerful condor, an eagle, a firebird, a phoenix. You're going to fly out of all the boxes that you were put into. You're going to fly out of that pit. You're going to fly out of there and you're going to just fly over the ocean and over the mountains and you're going to say, yes, yes, yes. I'm lit. I'm a lit firebird. I'm a lit firebird. I'm a lit phoenix. I'm a fire. I'm a blue jay. I'm flying. I'm a raven. I'm a hawk. Just take up to heights, right? Because that is what it's about. Right. And literally, and I kid you not, if I can defy my grandfather on Shabbat and discover that the people who actually induce or, or create the punishment is us, is people, not creation, not spirit, and find the lie at that very young age in my life. And I think at that time, I was probably about eight years old. It was like two years away from going into my full shamanic training, which was at 11. What I can tell you is this, is that you have all the power in the world and you have all the gifts inside of you and it's right there with that child inside. And I, 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 I challenge you to when you get um, when you when you when you close down from listening to today's share, I challenge you to sit down and grab a piece of paper and write, hello, little boy. Hello, little girl. Is it true that you are God playing as a child to get me to love you unconditionally so we can have a wonderful life together and everything I tell you, you create and make me by what I say to you? So if I call you an idiot, all of a sudden you will change the molecule structures and my chemicals in my body and make me an idiot? Are you really that being? Can you create a limited prosperity in my life? Can you, can you create love in my life? Can you create all these things if I believe that you can by telling you that you can? And see what you get. See what you get. And you can even write me on Instagram. Uh, you can send me an email at shamanduric.com. You know, just see what you get. See what you get. 
And I guarantee you, it's going to be eye-opening. It's going to be life-changing. It's going to be kaboom, kablam, pizzazz, right? I love that because, you know, like when I was a kid, I used to get very much into superheroes and especially comic books. I was a big comic book and I always like, like, boom, kablam, splam, or, you know, you know the words. And anyway, the point I'm making is, is don't forget. Don't forget. I guarantee you that you take this journey and you may say, oh, this shaman is crazy if he thinks these things. Well, you know what? I challenge you. I challenge you in discovery. Because I one thing I find very fascinating is when people make these very flippant judgments that they think they know what things are without doing discovery. I don't care if you're a religious person. I don't care if you're Muslim, if you're Christian, if you're Buddhist, if you're, if you're Hindu. I don't care if you're pagan. And I don't care if you're atheist. Because nothing matters to me. If you don't do discovery, I don't really care because you haven't done the discovery. And discovery doesn't start by you judging. Discovery means you're willing to take the journey to see where it will lead you, even if you don't fully believe you're open enough to take the journey. That's what discovery is. And if you know, like any lawyer or anybody who's going to court, they do discovery. And each side will put you through discovery so they can get more information. Well, that's the same thing we need to do as human beings is get into discovery. Discover, 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 discover. Don't make judgments with something that you haven't did discovery on. Take the journey. The best way was uh, one of my friends who's Native American said to me, it's getting in a canoe and trusting that you're going to go down the river without trying to control the river with your oar Throw your oars away, get in the canoe, and get ready for the adventure of your life. That is what I'm talking about. And that, you want to understand what it means to be a part of the Liddy Committee, right? The Lit Tribe, the, tri- the Lit Train. Like, what, it, what, what does it mean to be on the Lit Train? Well, to be on the Lit Train means to blast into new realities of consciousness beyond the unknown, to find new worlds, new dimensions, new thoughts, new tools, new discoveries of of, 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 of words and technology and medicine and you name it to better our species. So if you're on the lit train with me, we are on the discovery nonstop. We don't put labels on ourselves. Live your life. My goodness. Why limit yourself from experiencing things? Live your life. I live my life. I don't put rules at all. I try and experience everything, okay? Live your life. As it shows up for me, I lean into that aversion. That's how you stay on the lit train. You stay on the lit train by not throwing up a judgment about something that was taught to you by the matrix. You literally say, all right, how do I jump in? And how far am I willing to swim down into the abyss to discover deeper levels of truth and understanding to bring back to the tribe so that we can thrive and continue on planet Earth and raise the value of life for all beings, making it easy to live. No more hard life, easy life. Claim easy in your life. So that being said, I give you a call to action. Thank you so much 
for being in this share, in the tribal conversation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Can you feel me kissing your face and hugging you and, and just laughing with you, looking you in your eyes and just looking at how amazing you are? And if you, you know, do me the greatest favor, call the action, you know, uh, go to iTunes, get on there, leave me a review. The more reviews, the numbers go up, the more things go up and people see, hey, I want to know why he has this many numbers, what's going on on this Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And then they get on and they get lit. They get their ticket on the lit train and then they change the people's lives in their lives and the lives of those lives change and the lives of those lives change. And before you know it, it becomes a symphony of sisterhood and brotherhood expanding across nation and nation with leaders and profound lovers like all of us. Yeah? And that only takes for you to leave... uh, uh, a review of how you feel and how this is how this impacts your life and what you think this value is how many stars you think this value is for the world for yourself for your family for your friends for the stranger on the street for the person who's sitting on the bus who has a phone and can totally turn on ancient wisdom today podcast and get lit and come out of poverty consciousness get into love consciousness get into leadership and recognize this immense power we have as a family. I mean, we all came here together on this earth to carry out bringing the darkness and the light and lifting planet Earth into a star region. So let's do it. And let's do it with class. I love you so much. You can follow me at Shaman Durek on Instagram. Until then, if you want to find out about classes and things that I'm doing and you want to learn more about shamanism and you want to get into more of your lit powers and your superpowers as a superhuman, you can easily do that by simply just going to my website and signing up on my newsletter. Drop that email on there and you will get uh, a newsletter that will let you know about ways for you to stay lit and ways for you to keep that fire burning. I love you so much. So, 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 so much. And until next share, goodbye. Goodbye.